Thank you, Jeremy, for the announcements. And uh, Jeremy said something that I've been thinking all week, which is just how blessed we are to have this outdoor space. It's amazing how sometimes in life, uh, you know, you don't get what you want, and then you find out what you have is exactly what you need. And, you know, there are, I, I'm not speaking for this church, but there are so many churches that wish they had a building and wish they didn't meet outside and then a situation like this happens and you're so thankful that God has providentially put you where you are with what you have. And so it's great to be here and uh, just what a privilege to gather, to worship together and sing. And uh, all the things that I think many of us for years took for granted are just more precious now than perhaps they've ever been. So uh, I want to also thank Victor and Dorothy for leading us in worship and just the beautiful singing and uh for really just also thank you to all the volunteers. I, I get here early enough to see people setting up chairs and cleaning and just all the work that's involved in getting things ready, both for the physical gathering and also online with um, tech and all that. So just thanks to all the volunteers for all the hard work. You guys are just really honoring the Lord with, with what you're doing. Well, we're going through the Psalms, so I want to invite you to open up to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, we are in the second book of the Psalms now. And in the second book of the Psalms, the first Psalm we'll look at is Psalm 42. And hopefully you're able to access the notes on the website. Uh, if you're watching online, you can go to the website and look at the notes and kind of follow along. But we're going to be looking at Psalm 42. And the title is Hope for Discouraged Believers. Hope for Discouraged Believers. And... Um, this is one of those psalms that, you know, sometimes you, you go to church and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't feel like being here. I don't feel very close to God. Maybe my parents brought me. Maybe somebody said, you're going to watch this this morning. Whatever the case may be, this is one of those psalms that I really trust is going to speak to you and encourage you and kind of give voice to what you're feeling and kind of give you also a path forward to hope. So that's what we're aimed at this morning. So Psalm 42, I'm going to read this and then pray and we'll get going. All right, let's pray. Or let's, let's read. Then we'll pray. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they said to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at the breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, 
my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we've sung, we do want to raise a banner. We do want to raise an anthem. And it is the anthem of your glory and the anthem of your faithfulness and the anthem of your mercy and your providence against the backdrop of our fears and sorrows and worries and doubts. We don't want to hide these things, God. We want to voice them. And then we want your spirit to to counsel us. And we want this for the sake of your glory, Father, because we know that you are a mighty triune God who delights in the exaltation of your name. And we want to do that. So God, free up our voices to sing and our voices to pray and free, free us up, Lord, in our souls so that we can bless others and serve others. God, we pray that you would do your work this morning through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a 20th century British preacher who was really known for his exposition of the word. He is a, a well-known preacher and an amazing preacher. And um, he was also a medical doctor and just bright guy, thoughtful Christian. And he wrote a book in 1965 titled Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cures. Spiritual Depression. It's causes and cures. And that book has been useful to Christians for over 50 years now. And here's what's interesting about that book. That book, Spiritual Depression, is entirely based on this psalm, on Psalm 42. So what Lord Jones, this man who knows God's word, what he thinks is that in all of the Bible, if you want to understand spiritual depression, you need to go to Psalm 42. And so what I think is going to happen this morning as we look into this psalm, as we've just read it, is you're going to recognize some of these symptoms, symptoms of spiritual depression. And then I hope that you're going to sense hope hearing from the psalmist. And part of the hope is just knowing that you're not alone in spiritual depression. Part of the hope of this psalm is just knowing you're not alone. I think sometimes as Christians, you know, we can just buy into this idea that we're always supposed to be happy and that's not reality. We live in a fallen world, but sometimes we don't feel like we can be honest about our spiritual depression. And when you read the psalm, this psalm in particular, and when you read guys like Martin Lloyd-Jones, who were amazing Christian leaders, voice their own spiritual depression, you're more able to kind of confess your own, deal with your own, be honest with God about where you're at. And in the opening pages of that book, Spiritual Depression, Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, in this particular psalm, in Psalm 42, in this particular psalm, the psalmist is unhappy and in trouble. The psalmist is giving us an account of his unhappiness, the unhappiness of his soul. And that's really what spiritual depression is. Believers who are discouraged, unhappy, downcast, feeling as God feeling as though God was distant. And look, there are levels of depression. You know, there are depression, there are uh, levels of depression for which you need to see, you know, a medical doctor. But there are often aspects of depression, root causes of depression that are spiritual, where our, where our discouragement is rooted in a spiritual battle that's taking place. And so Psalm 42 shows us what it looks like to be down spiritually. And it gives us a list of symptoms for spiritual depression, what it looks like, how to endure, 
and can't, how to come out on the other side. So this psalm is for people that feel like they're under the waves of spiritual depression. You might have seen that in verse 7. Look at verse 7 briefly. He says, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And this is what spiritual depression often feels like. If you've ever been to the beach and you go out in the surf, whether you're surfing or body surfing or just playing in the waves and a wave hits you and you come up and get a breath. And as soon as you breathe, another wave hits you and you feel like you can't get enough air and another wave is coming. And that's how life feels. It's trouble upon trouble, wave after wave of sadness and hardship and discouragement. And one of the reasons I love the Psalms is because the Psalms are so honest about the inevitability of life just sort of pounding you at certain stages in life, just wave after wave of discouragement. And I think one of the reasons this psalm is so precious to Christians, and I hope it becomes precious to you, is because modern Christianity sometimes sells itself with this high glossy production, this sort of airbrushed version of journeying with Christ, where we don't talk about pain and we don't talk about suffering. And in that fictional version of faith, you don't want to confess your spiritual depression. You don't want to talk about it because you're kind of afraid you're not supposed to be that way. And when you read the psalmist, that fictional version of faith is shattered and it's replaced by something better, which is a real living faith where we do go through times of spiritual depression and we don't have to hide it from God. We don't have to hide it from each other. We can voice it, understand it and move through it. And one of the things that this psalm is honest about, I'm sure you caught this as we read this, is that the psalmist isn't even sure why he's down. The psalmist doesn't even know why he's downcast. He says twice, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? The RSV, one of the older translations, says, why are you disquieted? Why are you disquieted? Have you ever been there in life where your soul is just worried and your soul is just constantly bubbling up, speaking, shouting, worries, concerns? You can't even sleep for the sound of your own soul. And the psalmist says, I don't even know why I'm down. And this is one of the things about spiritual depression. Sometimes you know exactly why you're spiritually depressed. Sometimes you know exactly why. Maybe it's your sin. Maybe it's someone else's sin. Maybe it's a change in your life. Maybe it's just world events. Maybe it's just job, whatever. Sometimes you know exactly what's wrong. And other times you have no idea why. And your depression, your spiritual depression is a totally total mystery to you. But that doesn't make it any less spiritual depression. And that's just what makes it challenging is sometimes you just have no idea. So if you're here this morning and you're spiritually down and you have no idea why, and maybe even you think I shouldn't be spiritually down, but I am. Part of the encouragement of this passage is that there's a certain mystery to spiritual depression. Sometimes you have no idea why it starts. And sometimes you have no idea why it ends. But in the meantime, this psalm is going to urge us to just keep trusting God and keep journeying with Christ. And the hope is you're going to make it through. Well, you see that the author, if you look at the beginning, it says to the choir master, a maskil of the sons of Korah. 
sort of long discussion. That word maskil, we're not exactly sure what that means, which is why it just says maskil, because we're not totally sure what that means. But to the choir master, the sons of Korah, the sons of Korah or the Korahites were basically um, priests in charge with singing. In Second Chronicles twenty nineteen, you can read in Second Chronicles where they stood up and praised the Lord with a very loud voice. So you know, you think about your favorite worship band. Uh, you know, your who, you know you the worship music you like. Like the sons of Korah were the they were the worship leaders. So that tells us something about this psalm, doesn't it? This psalm was meant to be sung, which tells us something about Christian worship music. Christian worship music is not all happy because Christianity, this Christian journey you're on, is not all happy. You ever see the Lego movie? I think the first Lego movie. You know the song from the first Lego movie. Everything is. Yeah, yeah. everything is awesome. But, you know, not everything's awesome. And sometimes being in church, sometimes Christianity Sometimes even like popular worship, you go to conferences and you just feel like this is the Christian version of everything is awesome. And it's not. And this is Psalm 42. They were supposed to sing this. They were supposed to gather and sing. We feel cast down. We feel dry. We feel abandoned. We feel forgotten. Because this is how Christians feel oftentimes, because spiritual depression is real and there is also real hope. So what I want to do in, in, in really the sermon is I want to look at the symptoms of spiritual depression. And then I want to look at kind of the uh, the prescription. How do we move from depression to hope? So first, let's look at a picture of a discouraged believer, the symptoms of spiritual depression. And the first thing I want to look at is how the psalmist says he is dry. Look at verse one as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So the psalmist used to go and appear before God. He used to go with God's people. And even later on, he talks about how he used to lead the procession in verse 4. The psalmist used to go into God's presence, used to lead the procession, used to be at the front of the line, and now he's not even involved in it at all. He's excluded. You can imagine like God's people gathering to sing and to worship, and the one who used to lead that is now sort of in the shadows, and he feels dry. And oftentimes we sing, um, you know, this song, but we forget the context is spiritual dryness, spiritual panting, spiritual depression, spiritual sorrow. John Newton, the, uh, the, the author of Amazing Grace, 18th century pastor, he was in his early life. He just wanted to be a pastor. I don't know if you've ever wanted to do something for a career and you couldn't do it, but John Newton wanted to be a pastor. And for like over five years, he just kept getting door after door shut in his face. And he was gifted and he was smart and he had everything going for him in many ways, but no one would give him a shot. And he wrote to his wife, Polly, and he said this, he said, I can neither write nor pray nor talk. I am quiet, dry and barren. Listen, those are the words of someone who understands what spiritual depression is. And Newton is sort of singing 
Psalm 42, along with the Korahites. He's, he's giving voice to this spiritual depression. This is what it feels like. It feels dry. It feels like your soul is pounding, panting. It feels like there's a drought in your soul. A drought. We're used to droughts. Spiritual depression is a, a drought of the soul. Feels like you're dry. Feels like the cracks of your soul are exposed. Well, second, spiritual depression is just kind of marked by sadness. Look at verse three. My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they said to me all day long, where's your God? My tears have been my food day and night. The psalmist is so depressed. He's on the brink of tears all the time. Have you ever been there? You're just on the brink of tears and anything can make you cry. Like a song comes on the radio and you're driving, you're just crying. Somebody says something and you just tear up. Sunset, cry. Sunrise, cry. You're just so broken over whatever is going on in your life that tears are your food. Well, the psalmist knows how that feels John Newton knew how that felt. You read John Calvin's biography, he knew how that felt. Luther knew how that felt. Spurgeon knew how that felt. Read about Elijah, he knew what it was like to have tears be your food. If you have signed on to follow Christ, there are going to be lots of times in life, seasons in life, where every day dishes up a new plate of sadness. Spirit depression, dryness, sadness, and also this sense that you're mocked or taunted. In verse 3 and in verse 10, there is this refrain, where is your God? They say to me all day long. So he's eating tears all day long. And then all day long, they, plural, lots of people are mocking him and saying, where's your God? Now, now think with me here. Why are they saying, where's your God? I mean, if you're going to mock somebody, you know, do it in a way that makes sense. And I'm assuming the people mocking him from the context were mocking him for a reason. And here's the reason. From an outward perspective, it looked like God had abandoned him. That's the whole reason the taunting like was effective. Where is your God? He was taunted. He was mocked. They said God's abandoned you because it looked like the psalmist had been abandoned. And here's just a hard reality. Sometimes it will feel and sometimes it will look like God has abandoned you. He hasn't. But it will feel like he has. And to others, it will look like he had. You know, there are stories in Acts where Paul and Silas are in jail and they pray and boom, miracle, out of prison. And then you read a couple chapter later, chapters later, and they're in jail, and they pray, and no miracle. And they pray, no miracle. And three years later, no miracle. Sometimes you get a miracle, and sometimes you don't. Usually you don't. And when you don't, and when you're waiting, and still singing, and still praising, other people are going to come along and go, ha, see, God has abandoned you. Why? Because it looks like he has. And it feels like he has that spiritual depression, which leads to a fourth thing, which is feeling left out. Verse four, 
How I long to go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God. So the psalmist is in the shadows. The masses are on the journey to worship. And the psalmist feels left out. And this is part of spiritual depression. Spiritual depression is sometimes feeling left out. Everybody else is blessed. Talking about blessing. Hashtag blessed. How do you feel? Blessed. How you doing? Good. Instagram. Things are going well. Twitter. Promotion. LinkedIn. Publication. And you're like, I'm left out. I got left out of the the blessing. I got left out of the promotion. I got left out of the relationship. I got left out of the family. I got left out of something. And then you come to church. And if you don't understand Psalm 42, you see other people rejoicing and you don't feel it. And you feel like, am I even a Christian? Does God even love me? And he does. And you are. You're just going through a time of spiritual depression and it's normal. It's not good, but it's normal. Left out and cast down, verses 5 and 11. Why are you cast down? You know, this just means down. I mean, we even use this term. How how are you? I'm down. I'm blue. I'm humbled. As Christians, we just feel humbled. Our confidence is gone. Our joy is gone. We're just down. There's a reason why, you know, This idea of being your soul being in the dust. The psalmist in Psalm 119 talks about his soul is in the dust. It's this idea of being prostrate. But can I clue you in on something? The word worship in the Bible literally means to be prostrate. And there's a beautiful connection between humility and being downcast and the greatest times of worship you'll ever have. But we're not there yet. Not in this psalm. We're just down. We're dry, we're sad, we're mocked, we're left out, we're cast down. And next, we're overwhelmed. Verse 7, overwhelmed. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And this is just feeling overwhelmed. So if you just feel overwhelmed, dry, depressed, discouraged, this may be spiritual depression. The waves, one after another, you just can't get a breath. Just when you come up for air, just when there's good news, there's more bad news, followed by bad news. A little bit of air, more bad news. So what's, you know, where's the hope in that? Well, there's a little bit of light in this verse. I want to draw your attention. Look at verse 7. And notice what the psalmist says. Deep calls to deep at the roar of, what does it say? Your waterfalls. Your waterfalls. All Your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Well, what is the psalmist saying? The psalmist is saying, in the midst of my spiritual depression, the psalmist is saying, God, you are sovereign over what I'm experiencing. The psalmist says, these waves are your waves, God. This waterfall is your waterfall. Look, if you are going through spiritual hardships and enduring trials, it does you No good to think God is out of control. But reminding yourself that God is sovereign and whatever waves you endure are God's waves. God is allowing those waves. He is sovereign over the waterfall. That will bring you hope even when there is no other hope. God is sovereign. Even when you're overwhelmed, God is in control. And there's hope in that. Well, next... Spiritual depression feels like 
being forgotten. Look at verse 9, being forgotten. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And, and this is, this is important. The psalmist knows God. He knows that God hasn't left. I mean, just, just in the same psalm in verse eight, he says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night his song is with me. The psalmist knows that God hasn't abandoned him, but he feels abandoned. He feels forgotten. And let me just say, sometimes as Christians, when we are going through spiritual depression and we say something like, I feel like God has abandoned me. As Christians, we're too quick to correct each other and say, no, he hasn't. Now, it's true that God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. He never have. He never will. But sometimes when we're going through spiritual depression, we just need someone to listen to us describe how we feel. Now, let me give you a verse to support that. You don't have to turn there, but in Job 6, verse 26, you know, Job was going through a hard time. Job knew what spiritual depression was like. And Job had counselors. He had friends that kind of didn't always say the right thing. And at one point, Job says this. Listen very carefully to this verse. You can jot it down. Just listen carefully. Job six twenty six. Do you think, this is Job, do you think that you can reprove words? When the speech of a despairing man is wind, the speech of a despairing man is wind. John Piper makes a great point about that verse. He says, here's the point. Don't pick on me. Job is saying, don't pick on me. I feel abandoned by God. And I don't need somebody to say, but you know, you're not. I need somebody to be with me. Don't pick on me. Don't pick up my words. Don't nitpick my my words when I'm in the dirt, when I'm down, when I'm dry, when I'm downcast. Don't pick on me. Build me up. Look, when I come out of this and we're at lunch, maybe you can remind me of the truth. But usually in times of sadness, in times of spiritual depression, there's kind of a disconnect between our head and our heart. We know God hasn't abandoned us but we feel abandoned. Does that make sense? And Job gives us a reminder in our own interpersonal relationships. Don't pick on each other. There's a time to remind someone of the truth. There's also a time just to listen and remember that despairing man's words are like wind. That's what Job says. But you feel forgotten in spiritual depression. So, Let me read this list again. Spiritual depression, feeling dry, feeling sad, feeling mocked, left out, cast down, overwhelmed, and forgotten. Well, let's look in this last few minutes at how do you move to hope? How do you move to hope? And the first thing I want you to see is that is that the psalmist repeats twice in verse 5 and 11, basically the same thing. He says, hope. In the Lord, verse 5, verse 11, hope in God. And what I want you to understand is that in times of spiritual depression, where there are no stars to be seen by which to navigate your way out of spiritual depression, you just have to have a resolution to hope. You have to fight for your faith. Faith is a gift, but you receive it. It's your faith, and you have to fight for faith. You gotta put, you gotta put your shoulder to your faith. You can't be passive about your faith. Let me give you a wonderful quote by, uh, by Lloyd Jones. He says, faith 
is the refusal to panic. You know, there's a panic button. Don't push it. Just because you don't feel like God is there doesn't mean he's gone. Just because you don't feel like, just because you feel like you're left out doesn't mean you are. Just because you feel alone doesn't mean you are. Elijah is discouraged after his encounter with the prophets of Baal. He runs into the wilderness. He isolates himself and he cries out to God, God, just kill me. He felt alone and God basically reminds him, Elijah, you're not alone. We have to resolve to hope. We have to refuse to panic and you have to remember that you are responsible and an active participant in your faith. So two things in this psalm that I want you to see. Number one, discouragement, spiritual depression is not permanent. Spiritual depression is not permanent. You will not always be spiritually depressed. You will not always be spiritually depressed. Now, why is that important to remember? Because when you're spiritually depressed, you want to give up because you feel like it's always going to be this way. And it's not always going to be this way. Well, when's it going to end? I don't know. And you don't know. And no one can tell you when it's going to end. But it will end. Maybe you're spiritually depressed in your 20s, and then in your 30s, you're flourishing. Maybe it lasts till your 40s. Maybe it's a struggle your whole life. Maybe just you will be described as someone who is often spiritually depressed. But when you think of your entire existence, your physical existence is a small portion of your eternal existence. Your life, when you consider eternal life, is only a tiny fraction of that will be spent in spiritual discouragement. Spiritual depression does not last very long in the grand scheme of things. It's not permanent. Don't give up. You're going to make it through. Don't give up. Fight for faith. Fight for hope. You won't be spiritually depressed forever. And second, this passage reminds us of really the foundation of hope in spiritual depression, which is this. The psalmist says twice, hope in God. God is my salvation. He says it in verse 11 and he says it in verse 5. God is my salvation. Hope in God. God is my salvation. And here's the point. The psalmist is demonstrating something that's very important for us. When you are spiritually depressed, don't listen to yourself. Preach to yourself. Speak the truth to yourself. I feel abandoned. God is my savior. I feel like God's left me. I know he hasn't. You have to constantly fight for faith by reminding yourself of what is true. And the most bedrock foundational truth about you is that God is your savior. Jesus Christ hung on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins. He died and rose again. He's seated at the right hand of God right now. He's making preparations for your glorious, happy eternity. God is your savior. And when there's nothing else positive in your life, it is still true that God has solved your biggest problem. God is your savior. And so the psalmist reminds us that even in the depths of discouragement, our hope is in God. And this is really important because when you're going through spiritual depression, the temptation is to hope in that new job or hope in that relationship or hope in that new diet or hope in this next elected official or hope in something. And the psalmist is saying those are pipe dreams. Those are those are mirages. 
the reality is God is the only true oasis. God is the only place where you can find actual, literal hope in the midst of spiritual depression. Well, I need to end this, and it's a little awkward to end this message because you might have come here this morning and you were spiritually depressed, and now, like, things are ending, and you're like, I'm still spiritually depressed. And did you notice this psalm never sort of ends the spiritual? It's not like by the end of the psalm, he's like, I feel so much better now because that's not real life. The reality is, is spiritual depression isn't often cured by a song or a sermon. They help, but they don't always cure. There's hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel and it's it's not an oncoming train. There is real hope. But we are journeying towards that hope. We see those pinpricks of light, God's sovereignty, God's salvation, eternity. We see those pinpricks of light, but we're still journeying in the tunnel. We're still journeying in the dark. And so don't ever get to a point where you feel like I'm spiritually down. I'll go to church. I'll go one time. And if I don't feel better, I'm done. That's that's not realistic. What's realistic is keeping your eyes on those pinpricks of hope that shine light in the darkness and keep journeying. Don't panic. Resign yourself to hope and praise. And in a moment when we sing, you don't feel like singing, sing anyway. And tomorrow morning when you wake up and you don't feel like getting in the word, get in the word anyway. And when you do those things, God is going to bring more light and more light and you will make it through your spiritual depression. I promise you, if you belong to God, you will make it through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. I pray for each person here right now. God, I'm so mindful that there are people here so discouraged, so broken, can't even talk without crying, in the dirt, feeling like they're just under the waves, feeling like they're suffocating. God, would you breathe life into their lungs right now? Would you bring breathe hope into their souls right now? Would you let them feel the warmth of your presence right now? Would you enable them to just have hope right now because Jesus Christ is their risen, reigning, sovereign savior right now? God, if there's anybody here who has never trusted in Jesus, there is no hope apart from Jesus. I pray that they'd cry out to Jesus right now and put their faith in Jesus right now and they would experience for the first time real hope. God, I pray that as we sing, you would minister to us and allow us to minister to each other and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.